coming up on WordBirds. It comes down to consistent, delivering consistent content for customers. They still want to see other customer stories and they still want to see the thought leadership that you might be more focused on in the demand cycle. So don't forget your customers when you're um, building those campaigns, building those programs. Hello and welcome to WordBirds, a birds of a feather conversation amongst people who care about words. Today on the show, Christine Englert-Skinner. Christine is the director of customer marketing community at a company called Miracle. Today, we're gonna be talking about how the best content works across all marketing channels. We're gonna talk about how knowing your audience is the difference between a make and a break in your campaign. And we're gonna talk about all the tactics involved in marketing with your customers. Let's sit back and get some insight from the clock. What could you do with a 90% reduction in content errors, a 70% increase in content quality, and a 60% reduction in content editing costs? Probably what our customers are already doing. And that's creating better content faster. Acrolinks, the amazing content company. Hello, Christine, and welcome to WordBirds. So excited to have you here. Hi, how are you? Fantastic. For those of you that don't know, Christine and I work together at Perfecto. Uh, we've had several Perfecto guests on this season. We had Giddy in episode one. We had Flora midway through the season. And we're going to be wrapping up with Christine Englert-Skinner, um, who currently works at Miracle. Yes. Fantastic. The director of customer marketing at Miracle. Very exciting. Let's jump right into the quick fire question. So um, what's your best and most successful campaign so far? So I think that the best, most successful campaign that I've worked on thus far has really been one that could be used in all different facets of marketing. Uh, and that's kind of why. What the campaign looked like is, uh, you know, I created an asset with a cross-functional team that analyzed a really large, uh, like, tens of millions, maybe a hundred million um, pool of customer data and um, anonymized it and built this campaign that really uh, intended to give the market, give uh, the industry some information about consumers that they didn't have, that only we had. Um, so that doesn't feel totally groundbreaking in the way that um, we thought about the strategy there, but the way that we were able to execute it really made it a super successful campaign. We were able to extract a lot of PR and thought leadership from it. We were able to really develop a strong demand gen engine from it and uh, take that even a, one step further. And we were able to really work with business development and the sales team to send them some information that they could really leverage to target their prospects, get them engaged, give them a little information about how consumers were valuing their uh, their competitors, uh, and really draw them in there, you know, using some uh, positive things about their competitors. So just um, a, something that could be used across really all marketing channels. Exactly. Yep. Uh, and then from that, we also, you know, we saw so much success with an initial 
release of it that we were able to update it every year. And, you know, it kind of became a, a industry piece that the, you know, analysts and whatnot were looking forward to every year. And we could kind of riff on the new findings every year as well. I mean, and that's been a recurring theme over this season. I don't want to derail the quick fire, but a lot of people have talked about the ability to to create a content piece that over time attracts way more than just exist like new leads and customers, but brings in the media, brings awareness to the business. So covering that multi-channel approach um, takes one thing and provides huge value to the entire organization. And it's something that we could cite throughout the year, reference back to, you know, continue to give it life and then, you know, continue to cite the following year when we had, um, you know, new details lined up in things like speaking opportunities or press articles and things like that. So really um, squeezed a lot of juice out of it. Well, that sounds very exciting. Now I want to know what's the worst one you've done, because that's pretty cool. Sure. So the worst one, um, I feel embarrassed but the worst one is uh, at the same organization. We uh, worked with a lot of retail um, prospects, a lot of retailers. And over the summer, we did some campaigns about back to school to the prospect base. And in the fall, we did some campaigns about the um, upcoming holiday season, Black Friday, to this base as well. And do you know when retailers start planning for Black Friday in the holiday season? Because it's not in the fall. Uh, it's in February, like nine months, 10 months earlier. Right. So uh, I'd say the worst campaigns were big learning opportunities, but uh, you know, not being totally aligned to the customer calendar or our intended audience calendar and that not knowing them well enough to really make sure that we're giving them the information that they need when they need it. Thanks so much, but we've been done with this for six months. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you want to talk about implementing something? We're about to go into code freeze. You should have talked to us the first of the year. <laughs> uh, so out of the two of those, where, where were the learnings? It sounds like that. Yeah, I definitely think that one. Uh, know your audience and know their intricacies and their details. I think um, each each audience pillar may have, you know, something like a different type of calendar or different needs. And I wouldn't blanket message uh, across all different verticals. Amazing, amazing. So, I mean, I think when you think about the the things that you've you've done and your best and your worst. Um, you know, again, there's there's a lot of um, that creating that that major piece of content that goes beyond just marketing to be part of the personality of the business. And if, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if you were still at Perfecto when uh, Carlo Cadet created the magazine uh, around devices, but that for us at Perfecto uh, provided the sales team. I mean, we used it as marketing; it generated leads people signing mm-hmm. up for it. Um, we used it as webinar bait, essentially, and had thousands of people register for our webinars. And our salespeople used it, just like you said, um, to be able to tell a story in front of a customer. So what does 30% test coverage look like today mm-hmm. on the devices in market? And that goes beyond being a marketing piece to how a company goes to market. It changed the way that Perfecto sold software. And that 
I think that's, I mean, it speaks to that successful campaign idea that you're talking about. Yeah, it definitely is an up level from, you know, a content strategy or a demand strategy and uh, becomes a lot, a lot bigger. So today you're at Miracle, you're uh, customer marketing and community. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you is that, I mean, there's multiple ways that you can do that job. Um, there's obviously marketing to the customer and the customer lifestyle style, uh, life cycle approach, but there's also marketing with the customer. Um, let's talk about marketing to the customer first, because I want to spend more time on marketing with the customer. But what are you seeing? Like, what's the the best way to reach your customer? Obviously, they're already engaged with your organization. What do they need to see? What do they need to know to be able to manage customer retention, for example? Sure. So, you know, we're always keeping in touch with our customers on upcoming product announcements or, um, you know, different innovations that are coming down the line. And I think there's a group of customers. The best way to get them involved is to get them involved early, get them involved in the um, testing cycles, get them involved even in, you know, the the design iterations, things like that. There's definitely a group of people who are interested in things like that. Um, I think that when it comes down to consistent, delivering consistent content for customers, they still want to see other customer stories and they still want to see the thought leadership that you might be more focused on in the demand cycle. So don't forget your customers when you're um, building those campaigns, building those programs, because I think that any touch point you have that's going to continue to inspire the customer is going to really um, keep them around longer, keep them engaged and, you know, make them more willing to bring that forth to other departments within their organization or um, help them elevate the projects that they're doing. If they can say, look at this work from this amazing partner, they're also working with X, Y, and Z customers, or they're also, um, you know, leading the market with X, Y, and Z research. Um, don't forget your customers. They want to see that too. So are you, I mean, from a product communication standpoint, are you engaged with the product organization to help them with future product direction and, and product North Star? Because I think that's something that helps your job tremendously. For us, um, you know, our customers are gaining efficiency through the editorial process. And our product North Star is about getting to 90% automation of the process. So driving much more efficiency. So the conversation is always like, if you're at 50% today, the next thing we're going to do is going to get you to 60% and 70%. And that's not necessarily the connection that marketing has with product in an organization. And sometimes product is building something that falls outside of the pathway of value that customers are experiencing. So do you get to spend time interfacing with product to make sure that the things that they're doing drive your customer journey? So there are two things that we're doing on the customer marketing side that are related to that. One is the customer marketing team is really integrated with the product marketing team and the customer success team. We call our customer success um, managers, business consultants, and we're all very integrated um, 
as it relates to forthcoming products or customers who are beta testing products or announcements around new products that involve customers. So there's a synergy between those three teams that I think help drive towards the North Star. Um, I definitely don't want to take credit and say that we are the main driver there, but there's that, that you know, trifecta who's working together on at least the go-to-market side of things. Um, then we also work closely with a number of people on the product team to organize user advisory boards for the product team um, a couple of times throughout the year because they are not interfacing with customers as frequently as we are. Um, so, you know, we kind of hold a lot of those relationships and can make those connections to the product team. Mm -hmm. And that's been, you know, that's been really helpful, I think, for the customer and for the product team as well. So one of the things that you talked about was fueling all these initiatives with other customers. I mean, I think, you know, in the time that we work together and in my time here, the most difficult thing is getting customers to participate in marketing of any kind. Um, how, how are you building relationships with customers to get those stories from them? Yeah. So this is my favorite part of my job is we have the pillar of marketing to your customers, but also this pillar of marketing with our customers. And at Miracle, the customer stories that we develop are really central pieces to a lot of our marketing content, if not all of our marketing content. So it's a really important um, piece of the puzzle. And I think the number one thing for an organization who's either thinking about uh, developing a customer marketing team or customer marketer themselves is to have the mindset that you are not asking the customer for to do you a favor. Um, I think that going into it, thinking you're also doing them a favor and that this is something that can really benefit the customer in the long run as well is uh, really the first thing that you need to have in order to, uh, you know, approach this, this whole concept of customer marketing um, strongly. So do you own, I mean, I find that oftentimes uh, customer success, for example, who has a relationship with the customer um, has a lot of concerns, let's say, about letting us talk to the customer. Mm -hmm. It's never the right time. There's always something. There's a ticket in right now. We need to be working on the software. We're fixing something for them. This isn't the right time to talk to the customer. Do you, do you listen to that or do you have the relationship with your customers? Yeah. So it's a good question. It depends. I think one of the the main paths to success is working through the relationship owner. And if there is no one with a strong relationship at a certain account, then I will happily introduce myself and become the relationship owner. Um, there's definitely a matter of trying to educate your peers and the relationship owners on that favor mindset as well. You're not uh, asking them for a favor you are doing them a favor is really the the flip that I like to call it. And I think it takes a reminder every now and then. Um, but 
all somebody needs to see it from a customer success standpoint or from um, a relationship owner standpoint are a couple of accounts who have really uh, the spokesperson has really benefited from it and they'll they'll understand they'll understand that the you're new it's so, not a, so get actionable yeah. how do you, how do you get them excited about this like what is so you're saying I've heard you say now a couple of times this is not a favor it's a benefit how do you how do you make them believe that like I believe you um, I remember we did this. Uh, at Perfecto and had a whole document that overviewed the benefits to the customer. But I'm also a marketing person, and I know that that was a little bit self-serving. Um, how how do you make this worth your time? Sure. So um, I guess tactically speaking, one, uh, develop a menu of the different objectives or the different assets that you want to obtain from your customer base. And then work with that relationship owner to identify the best candidates to fulfill those assets needs. And then when you are strategizing about how to um, talk to the customer that you're looking to you know, talk to, there's this idea of currency and everybody has a currency. Everybody, I believe everybody, you can get someone to say yes if you strike their currency and their currency could be something like they want self-promotion. They're trying to build their personal brand. So they might uh, be really interested in doing some PR where they're interviewed and they can elevate themselves personally. Um, they might want to, they might be interested in something that's related to thought leadership across the industry so that they can elevate their project a little bit. Maybe they have some hiring sprees coming up and that's something that they can use across the industry to uh, generate interest with the hiring pool. Um, another currency could be, like I mentioned, getting people involved in um, testing programs, beta programs early and often. They might wanna have influence. They might have some ideas that you know your team might not have thought of yet and they just want somebody to listen they want to be a part of the actual creation uh, that's an important currency that we see all the time so understanding a little bit more about who the individual is and what is going to motivate them will really help you get them to uh to agree to the project and then um separately another tactic that's worked pretty well recently for me has been to learn a little bit about that individual prior to actually the sales cycle so that you're writing in the contracts, you're working with your salesperson, writing in the contract, these specific things that you want, these assets that you want the customer to help develop. Um, and oftentimes they, you know, they still have that currency. It's just now in writing that that's something that they're going to complete with you. How often does that get struck from the contract though? Honestly, less than I would think. Maybe really? go in with a foot and door approach and scale mm -hmm. it back um, less frequently than I would think. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, I think because I think this is this continues, especially in B2B software, this continues to be a huge issue. And when you're selling to the enterprise, it only gets worse because it's not just Bill at this company wants to self-promote, but Bill needs to take the hill with the PR organization inside a major corporation to get approval to do this. And anything's possible, to your point, 
But in this case, Bill needs to believe it and then go and, and lead this process because we can't do that for him. He needs to do that. And then I volunteer to uh, speak with the PR team and even develop them a playbook about what we're going to do. So one, of it is as easy do. as possible um, with examples. It's so it's easy as possible uh, for the PR team to understand the objective and what's actually needed from their side. And then they're actually speaking to another communications PR professional as well. So they're speaking to their I totally peers. see the connection between the beginning of your career and where you are now. Yes. Because Christine <laughs> started in PR and this makes a lot of sense. Like yes. all of it comes back around. So you need you need to know how to communicate with the people that okay. I get it. Um, this is the time in the show, my favorite part of the show, where we go over the PSOTD or the provocative statement of the day. It's a position that you hold that you don't know that everybody holds, but that helps you to define a little piece of the world. What is your provocative statement of the day? And I've mentioned it a couple of times, but I truly believe that your customers want to market with you. And Tapping into that currency is really going to help you find them. I mean, and that is, I feel like everybody that's involved in customer marketing just heard that statement and was like, that is absolutely not my experience. So that qualifies as a fantastic provocative statement of the day. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is that you gave us the steps and the, the, the tactics to be able to go out and do that. So I think if you're listening to this today, sitting at your desk somewhere in the world, thinking, I can't get people at my customers to do the things I want. You have the groundwork now. You've been given the steps and the overview. And now your position should be that you're not doing a favor. This isn't it's not, or they're not doing you a favor. You're, you're actually helping them. You find that currency and you drive this forward for that person. It's good for them and it's good for you. It doesn't have to be a one-way street. I think that's a, a phenomenal approach to take. Adopt this position and drive forward your customer marketing and especially that piece with the marketing with your customer. That's fantastic. Christine, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed this. I'd love to have you back in the future. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for listening to Word Birds. Word Birds is hosted by Chris Willis, produced by Charlotte Baxter-Reed, and brought to you by Acrolinks. For more information on Acrolinks, visit www.acrolinks.com.